Hi everyone, thank you so much for tuning in on this week's episode of Tech Connect. I'm your host, Tapasya Velmergan, and today's guest speaker is Reiko Menon, a machine learning engineer at Meta. Okay, um, we are recording. Uh, so to kind of start off today's episode, I wanted to ask you like how you um, became interested in engineering and you said you started off with electrical engineering, right? Like where did that yeah. um, passion come from? Uh, yeah, so I was always interested. So I, I specifically, uh, you know, did wireless communications and um, just the fields, field itself and the concepts in the field are just so amazing. Like, um, you know, just the idea of radio frequency waves and that they they carry information and that they are all around us. So mm-hmm. just that whole thing is so um, exciting to me and, you know, just amazing. Like, you know, it's something so abstract, but it's, it works. So mm-hmm. it's real. So yeah, that that that's what was most exciting to me about my field. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, I agree. I remember like sometimes me and my friends we just talk and we're like, wait, like what yeah. is like Bluetooth? You know, like how can it like connect? Like yeah, so I understand. It's like really so incredible because yeah. it's not like something you just know or something that people just like. It's not obvious. Yeah, it's not something you can see or perceive like this is okay, you know, like an engine, you kind of see all the working parts and know how they all fit together. Mm -hmm. You can see it happen. But with uh, wireless, it is just, you have to imagine this is how things can happen. So it's, yeah, that is exciting. (laughs) (laughs) So is this something you like knew in high school, like your high school years or earlier, like, um, like, yeah. So I was always interested in science and math. So I knew I wanted to do engineering when I grew up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, when I had my college admission, so I had the option of choosing computer science or electrical engineering, but I just found this whole field so fascinating. Mm-hmm. So it was my like choice. <laughs> yeah. 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 And like computer science then was completely mm-hmm. different than what computer science is right now, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is a lot of core things that you would you would learn in a computer science degree, like the, you know, the basic programming or algorithm design, which remain the same, but maybe like the languages that you use are very different. The kind of databases that you have right now are very different. But the at its core, there's a lot of like algorithmic concepts that are still the same. And I kind of benefited in a way uh, from my college education in the sense that we did have some overlap in those algorithmic aspects with the computer science department. Mm -hmm. So we did have like a data structures course. And even if you like, even when I was doing my PhD, uh, wireless communications itself, uh, the my focus area was on resource allocation or how to have uh, you know, it was primarily focused on algorithm design, how to make these multiple nodes communicate using the same frequency at the same time. So a lot of the work I did borrowed from those algorithmic or CS principles. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there was quite a bit of overlap there. Yeah. But yeah, answering your first question, 
there is a lot of differences in computer science now and then, but still, I would say like the core of the field is um, pretty constant. Yeah. Yeah, because um, both uh, electrical and computer science, they're both yeah. things that you necessarily like, can't see in your face, yeah. but like you have mechanical and stuff like that, like the stuff that you build. So I can see how mm-hmm. there could be like a lot of overlapping in those areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So like talking about your major, um, so mm-hmm. you went to college in NIT, correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, was that like your dream college? Like, how did it feel to get accepted into a college that has a literal like three percent acceptance rate? Yeah, no, it was super exciting. So when I knew that I got into NIT, I was like really, really excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other thing also was that so I used to live in Chennai, and um, mm-hmm. this was just enoughly far away from home that I was excited. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I know. and also not that far away that you could not come back you know for visits and stuff but yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I yeah know. that's that's just so relatable I feel like no matter yeah. like whatever time you're in I feel like that same like oh like I want to go to college it's like away from my parents but like not too far away that I can't come home like, yeah week, yeah <laughs> Yeah, and I yeah. that's like how was studying at like such a yeah like, amazing college? Like how was your college yeah. experience? Yeah, it was great. I feel like those were those are still the best uh, four years of my <laughs> life. Like mm-hmm. you make just because I feel like you spend so much time in college, just you know, away from home, away from like all your life until then, and you know, immersed in like whatever you're studying or with your friends so it's it's just such an immersive experience and you're in it all the time so yeah even though it's just four years it feels like it was a much bigger part of my life Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah Yeah, um just wondering like with a college that selective was the Mm -hmm. like were you and your classmates were you guys like hyper competitive or was it more chill yeah, no, I think it was, there were periods of time when it was competitive, but I would say overall, my experience, like specifically NIT was pretty uh, chill. Like, I, I feel like um, at NIT, uh, studying was almost like an afterthought. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of focus on like the cultural aspects and, you know, and this, I feel like it's also a lot of freedom. This is the first time you're away from mm-hmm. home. So you mm-hmm. have a lot of freedom. So I feel like it was more developing you as a person than, you know, that much of a focus on education. So, and also like, I feel colleges in India are a bit different from colleges here. Here, I feel undergrad is pretty intensive and it's not the same in India, at least like <laughs> in NIT in, at that time, that was the case. Oh, really? So undergrad, yeah, was not that, you know, it was not that much focused on the academics itself. Yeah. If you just got by, you were fine. So I feel like, academically I did not learn much but I feel as a person I developed a lot yeah yeah like I know that saying from my college friends like C's get degrees like as long as you're passing you're fine (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. so after your undergrad you went to get a master's at Virginia Tech um Mm -hmm. why did you decide to come to the U.S. like was that um 
why didn't you want to continue at NIT? Okay, so um, so one is I was looking for, you know, like I mentioned, academic was not that much of a focus. Mm -hmm. And I did want to, um, I was interested in academics, like I did want to learn. Mm -hmm. uh, so it like, I felt that like that part of me was a bit unfulfilled, that, you know, I didn't really get to sp that spend that much time learning. Um, and so that was kind of the reason I felt my academic journey was not over then. So I felt like I needed to uh, learn more or spend more time in school. And so that's why I chose coming to the U.S. Mm -hmm. And I knew that in the U.S. there is more focus on the academic aspect mm -hmm. than uh, in India. Yeah, That's cool. Um, So a master's takes like two years, correct? Mm -hmm. um, actually, yeah. I don't really know anything about getting a master's degree. Is it like you take some classes or do you write like a, a research paper? Like how, how yeah. does that work? Yeah. So um, it usually is two years and at least in, I don't know if things have changed or not, but uh, during my time, so you could either do, do a certain number of credits and you could do a thesis, mm -hmm. which would, um, you know, stay in the place of the, in X, in place of the extra credits you needed to get, or you can be completely credit focused and don't need to do a thesis. So th there was a thesis option and a non-thesis option. Mm -hmm. So the thesis option is a bit more research related. So if you did want to go into a PhD, then you would choose the thesis option. Mm -hmm. So um, I did choose the thesis option. So it was a, a little bit more uh, researchy, but you also took a um, certain number of credits, you know, uh, yeah. Fine. Um, what did you yeah. write your paper about? Uh, so it was on um, <laughs> it, it was so it, you know my major is in wireless. Mm -hmm. So my paper thesis paper was on space time trellis codes. Wow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so um, so at a very simplistic um concept. So if you think about radio frequency waves, right? Mm -hmm. They are everywhere. So if you have uh, one transmitter and one receiver. So using the same radio frequency wave, there is some amount of information you can transmit. But what if you want to, uh, what if you, um, so you can increase the num the amount of information you transmit by adding just another transmitter at the transmitter side, or you can add another receiver. Like So just by increasing the number of antennas you have, you can increase the amount of information you transmit. Mm -hmm. But it is, uh, so you're not really increasing the physical medium. So you have to add uh, additional processing power or like, um, you know, or yeah. So you, you have to design basically these codes which make that possible that you can, send additional information streams in that same physical channel without interfering with each other. So actually like think about it as you have a pipe mm -hmm. and you want to send both oil and water through the pipe or like maybe red colored water and blue colored water through the pipe. So you know it's going to mix in the pipe, mm -hmm. but at the receiving end, how do you separate these this blue and red water out of the pipes, right? Mm -hmm. So that's basically the research I did. So it's adding, uh, like you code the blue water and you code the red water. So when you decode it at the receiver end, you can get these two individual streams, although they are mixing in this pipe and they are traveling together. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's, that 
that was that's so impressive oh my god like that's wow <laughs> yeah so it, yeah like the concepts in i feel in wireless are so cool like <laughs> yeah yeah this is like for space to earth kind of communication like you said no these these are just so these are not like space satellite communications these are just in the like a cellular transmission mm -hmm. or even a Bluetooth Bluetooth device, right? So it's actually your phone or your speakers, your headphones communicating with your um, computer. Mm, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So any kind of transmitter or receiver. So, you know, the basic idea can be used in any kind of wireless communication. Wow. Yeah. That is super <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. So, um back to the research paper does this get like published at the end of your master's yeah. so that's the hope that you would um <laughs> get your paper published um so i don't think in my master it maybe in my master's i had one research paper published uh most of my publications were actually when i was doing my phd mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah so after your master's you went to get a phd um yeah I, I remember when we were talking about before we we said that or you said that um you wanted to get a PhD to continue your study in academia because you like to study. <laughs> um, yeah. So tell me about your PhD experience. Yeah. So that was uh, actually really great. Uh, so in during the PhD, there is not that much of course load. So you just focus on your research and um you know that's the main focus. So you do have some classes you need to take but it's not that much so I think I took like a class per semester or something like that <laughs> and you usually take classes that help you in your PhD work so I did take classes across a variety of different departments uh, that I found very interesting so I took like a couple of math classes a couple of optimization theory classes and you know anything that aids you in your research yeah. So, um, yeah, the PhD was super fun. Um, I loved just having that time and space to focus on, you know, just research or like, uh, yeah, like just studying and exploring, trying to create something new. Right. right. So, yeah. Yeah. And um, so also I was uh, funded in my PhD. So you ha you typically have like a research pro project that also funds your PhD and there are specific deliverables tied to that research project. Mm -hmm. So it did give me a sense of, you know, how to take on projects, how to work towards delivering results uh, periodically for those projects. Right, because, well. sorry, keep going. Yeah. No, 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 yeah. Yeah, because like with research, like you can research forever. Like there's so yeah, much that yeah. like, you can keep going and going and going. Yeah, yeah. That's so much. So throughout like, um, your undergrad, master's, PhD, like you had just stayed in college, like you hadn't like gotten jobs or were you doing internships over the summer? Uh, yeah, no, I just did one co uh, long co-op, um, you know, between my master's and uh, sort of between my master's and PhD. But uh, after that, I didn't because I I always had the research project uh, that I was kind of working on. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was paying my um, bills. So I guess, uh, yeah, I, I didn't really do an internship outside. But like, 
going forward, if I were to advise people, I would definitely say like, look for internships. Uh, they give you a sense of what's going on in the industry. They also help you, I feel like, mature a bit more professionally and, you know, um, yeah, kind of like uh, understand or like articulate to yourself, like, you know, what is the kind of things you enjoy doing? What should your goals be? You know, what should you be working towards? Kind of help you think along those lines so I would I would definitely encourage doing more internships yeah right yeah um, also so I was working in wireless I know internships are pretty common in uh like the tech world more mm -hmm. in the CS side mm -hmm. but in wireless internships are not that common because it's also not very easy to get a project that is scoped for a summer or mm -hmm. you know a, yeah I understand yeah yeah yeah, that makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. So after you're done with all your school, you went and you got your first job in Spectrum, Spectrum Effect. Um, yeah, no, actually, I worked at uh, there. So maybe, um, it, yeah, so my first job was actually in Lynchburg. I worked at Harris Communications. Uh, yeah. And then before Spectrum, there were a couple of other jobs I did. So I worked at Harris and then I worked at this RFID company called Impinch, which is also based in Seattle. And then I joined this startup, which um, got bought over by Nokia. So I worked at Nokia oh. for a while. Yeah. And then at Spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I think you could tell I'm kind of reading off your LinkedIn right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so do yeah. you think that getting a master's and PhD really helped you get like a lot of jobs? rather than if you were to just have an undergrad? Yeah, I, I feel definitely, at least in my field, um, you know, having a master's or PhD definitely helps in wireless. I know mm -hmm. it's in the tech field, it's much easier. So you can choose a path where you are an undergrad and then go directly into the industry and, you know, grow in the industry. Right. But I feel in wireless, it like to actually grow career-wise faster, I feel it's, important to do a master's or a PhD yeah and you also I in wireless you learn a lot du during your master's and PhD than with just an undergrad but it, it's not the same in like the tech industry right now because in the tech industry things are changing so fast mm -hmm. so being in tech is where you learn more than I feel like being at school yeah but I mean like your drive to learn and your like willingness to learn is so like inspiring to me because I know I'll come home from a long day of yeah. school and be like I don't even want to go to school tomorrow like I just want to lay in bed and like go on my phone and yeah. just take a big nap so I honestly find <laughs> you like so inspiring that you just like wanted yeah. to keep on learning and learning like I just you're, you're awesome <laughs> <laughs> no not, no I mean like it's just I, I feel like what you enjoy doing so it's you know yeah and you do a lot like I feel there are times you will get tired so there are days when you feel like that like when you come home and you don't want to touch another book but <laughs> it's just you know given like the time and space what do you want to do <laughs> yeah always gotta look yeah, at that. when you're well rested yeah yeah, what do you want to do? <laughs> yeah sometimes yeah. it's hard to keep that like bigger picture in mind I guess like when you're yeah in the middle of your work yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so um back to what we were talking about I see again mm -hmm. like after 
you're done with electrical, you seem to transition kind of to mm -hmm. machine learning. Yeah. So how did, first, first question, how, why did you choose to kind of transition from electrical to um, machine learning? And two, do mm -hmm. you think that all the research that you did in your master's help you with that tradition? I mean, transition. Yeah, 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 it definitely did. So as I was saying, like my work in wireless itself was very focused on the algorithmic aspects of it. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, so I worked a lot with optimization theory, uh, game theory, and then machine learning just felt like a natural extension of it. So a lot of the, there's a lot of overlap in concepts in what I was using for my uh, master's and PhD with the machine learning world. Mm -hmm. So it was a kind of easy transition for me. And I just, uh, you know, it, it was more like a natural transition to me. I really liked machine learning. You know, naturally, my research extended into it. Mm -hmm. And I really liked the field. And I wanted to learn more about that field. So, um, so when I was working, even at this RFID company called Impinge, I was taking classes online for machine mm -hmm. learning just because I found that feel like eventually I felt like that's where the world would go into. And I really liked that area as well. And I wanted to know more. Mm -hmm. So um, so after I was at Nokia, Spectrum Effect was actually started by some of the same people who had started um this startup, which was bought by Nokia. Mm -hmm. So Spectrum Effect was based on using machine learning to you know, detect uh, unwanted RF interference in networks. So it was a mix of wireless and machine learning. So that was like a huge opportunity for me mm -hmm. uh, to kind of step into that field. Yeah. Yeah, could you say that that was a, that was kind of when you, decided I guess that you wanted more and you wanted to keep yeah. going into machine learning yeah 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 so I felt like uh you know the aspects of wireless that had me really excited about the field um where so wireless um the technology wise itself I feel had plateaued a lot like the amount of um, advancement in the field year over year is not uh, that much mm -hmm. and I feel like with machine learning, it opened um, so much more opportunity uh, into even wireless. Um, so yeah, I just uh, you know wanted to move into that direction. Mm -hmm. And before you had mentioned game theory, what is game theory? Yeah. So uh, game theory is, um, uh, okay, so if you have like multiple people competing for the same resources, mm -hmm. so game theory, so each person, has their own agenda. Mm -hmm. uh, so game theory kind of analyzes the agenda of different people and tells you what are the possible outcomes, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. So for example, the most common uh, game is this prisoner's dilemma, which is, um, you know, so a prisoner is, so there are two prisoners. I don't know if I'm exactly telling the story, no, right? I, but there are two, yeah. Yeah, I've actually, I actually learned about prisoner's theory in school. Yeah. Yeah. So sorry, I keep going. Keep. Yeah. Yeah. So correct me if I'm wrong. It's like, you know, if uh, there are two prisoners and one of them is guilty. So if you ask the person, so if you, so if, um, 
you know, if both of them say, or like if there are two prisoners, they're accused of the same crime, Mm -hmm. or maybe they did it together, we don't know. But so if both of them say that they're not guilty, then they would have some 0.5 percentage of, um, you you know, they would be put into prison for maybe a year or so. Mm -hmm. But if the if they point a finger at the other person and say that person is guilty, then they would get out of uh, prison free. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the other person would go into prison for like two years. And then um, I, yeah, if both of them are, for, I don't know what the exact thing, <laughs> I have to read this Yeah, I think, I think prisoner's theory is, or this is just the way that my teacher explained it to me in school. Yeah. But like a cop pulls over like two, I thieves right or something like that yeah and they're both questioned separately and if they ask if one person says that uh the other person is guilty then they will leave jail or they will just like leave and they won't have any jail time but the other person will have 25 years and if neither of them say anything both of them will only have like one year of jail and Mm -hmm. if both of them like kind of tell on each other they both will have like 10 years of jail yeah yeah so it's basically finding what the equilibrium of that game is and you know so yeah so basically i think the nash equilibrium is that where no one has uh, an incentive to you know um move away from like to get to a better position right so i i so in this game uh the equilibrium is where both tell on each other because you know the amount, the disadvantage of not telling on each other is a lot, is huge right. amount to like the advantage of telling on each other. But so anyway, game theory is basically then how if you have like some common resource and if you have people competing for this common resource, how would that and they're competing uh, independently, how would you share, you know, how would the resource end up getting shared? That- so, um, yeah. So it's so I used game theory in wireless. So if you have like in wireless, you have the same wireless channel, like the same radio frequencies. So if you have competing radios trying to talk to each other, how does this resource get shared? Mm -hmm. And how can you set up incentives in the system so that the resources get shared fairly? So that was kind of my PhD thesis. yeah that's so cool it's yeah it's like so random because when I learned about like this prisoner's dilemma dilemma I learned about this in an international relations class and yeah yeah, and it's so weird that like I see this here and you were learning about this in perhaps like a different way but still it's like the same court that's like so like it's so interconnected Yeah. yeah 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 it is like and it's it's also like I feel like what I was trying to do was more of an optimization problem and we were trying right. to use game theory for this optimization problem. But yeah, I feel prisoner's dilemma like or game theory in general has applications in so many fields. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I think we can also see this in like economics as well. And yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. just so cool. Yeah. Um, I kind of have uh, one last question. And yeah. it's so right now you're working at Meta as a yeah. machine learning engineer, which first of all, mm-hmm. oh my God, that's, or yeah. like to me, that's so impressive. How, like, do you think, 
do you think that all of your experience yeah. like leading up like not only your PhD but like working in different companies like learning about mm-hmm. um you know like do you think all of that kind of added up and really helped you get a job here at Meta because I know in like big tech companies they're really like selective it's like college admissions all over again like do you really think that that helped you get a job at Meta? Uh, so I feel like um it's definitely much simpler than college admissions <laughs> <laughs> because uh so with Meta it's just an interview loop that you do right so you it's it's I feel like more like an exam situation <laughs> than like yes than college admissions because college admissions are so complicated there's the whole like work you have done throughout the year you yeah, know like yeah or years <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's much simpler so I feel like this is just about um understanding what is expected of you in the interviews and then preparing <laughs> to them yeah (laughs) so much simpler much more like time boxed and um you can kind of focus on you know exactly what you're supposed to do in interviews (laughs) yeah but um code yes exactly (laughs) and then the recruiters give you a pretty good sense of what to expect in each round of the interviews so it's it's not that complex. I feel like uh, more of a challenge is just the leveling you get inside the company. So in that, for that, your past experience matters a lot. Like, you know, mm-hmm. the range of roles that you have done, mm-hmm. what you have learned, how you have learned to work with other people. So I feel all that helps a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Could you like, out of all mm-hmm. of the jobs that you've done, would you pick a favorite job? yeah it was definitely my time at uh, spectrum effect so it was a startup so I feel like it was uh, so startups in general you're so involved in like you know the entire the company is small you're involved in everything that's going on and you get to wear a variety of hats or you know roles mm-hmm. in the company so it, that was great and we were pushing for something new. So we were using machine learning to solve this uh, interference problem. And it was a completely new and exciting area. No one had done that before. So it was just a very cool space to be in, got to do a lot of great work, you know, work, had the opportunity opportunity to work very closely with like a tight group of people. So you know mm-hmm. based on all that that's like my favorite job hands on uh-huh. hands down and that was like yeah. your first or like one of your first jobs too that's so no 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 actually it was not I think you've seen like an abridged version of my resume maybe because <laughs> <laughs> I mean like not I think first, it was like my first. yeah like my fourth job or something but yeah yeah no you have done so much and been in so many different roles and it's just like so amazing to see like at least like for me for someone who's like only been in high school and yeah who's only had access to like extracurricular activities and stuff like that like the yeah you've had like so many different experiences and that's just like just wow like I don't even know how to explain it just it seems so amazing yeah I feel it's just the years. <laughs> so I'm sure like by the time you are like me, you would have had like more experiences and I hope like more diverse experiences. So I did do feel like 
diversity makes it richer as well like what you learn and you know yeah um yeah so i we're on a zoom call and i don't have a premium account so our okay, time yeah, that's... is almost gonna run out in three minutes yeah. so yeah. i would just like to say thank you so much for taking time out of your day and just like coming here and like speaking with me it means so much to hear everything you have to say and like all yeah. like just thank you so much no, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Like, I really admire what you're doing here. And uh, yeah, I, I'm sure like high school is super hard. So just like keep at it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, right. Uh, before we end this episode, what is like your yeah. one piece of advice for high schoolers? Um, Just like going into engineering or going into like, yeah, just going into engineering. What's one thing you would tell them? Um, I feel like, um, you know, things are evolving so fast so i would feel like i do feel like um learning being very strong in your basics is super important so pay a lot of attention to all the like basic courses that you have like be it um you know data structures or like algorithm design or mm -hmm. you know even like a lot of the algebra courses which are very basic statistics and probabilities all these basic things come in again and again and again like throughout <laughs> your career yeah mm -hmm. like probability courses are so important I feel like every time I've used them in workplaces so many times or even in interviews they come up so often so I feel like just uh, focus on the fundamentals be extremely thorough in your fundamentals and they would like really uh, help you uh, along the way yep all right well thank you so much thank you so much um, for listening to today's episode on tech connect for any other future episode ideas or anything you guys want me to talk about Make sure to follow me on my Instagram at t.echconnect and just message me or let me know what you guys think. All right. Bye, guys. I hope you have a nice rest of your day. Thank you.